I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. George was pretty much my brother. I mean, if I was ever going to have anybody I considered brother, it would have been him. How would you describe him? Hard-working, down-to-earth boy. Um, do anything in the world for anybody. If I was broke down three states over at 2 o'clock in the morning, I could call him. He's about the only one that I miss is George. I'm sorry. So how did George get wrapped up into this? Well, since I was young... They always beat it into his head that he always had to take care of his little brother. No matter what, can't let nobody hurt his little brother. Always had to take his little brother's side no matter what. And I think that had something to do with it. This is The Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County. Season 3, Episode 5, One-Eyed Wolf. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Leidegger and Jeff Shane. George Wagner is awaiting trial in Pike County for his involvement in the murders of the Roden family. He's pleaded not guilty. After two seasons of reporting, details of what allegedly went down on the night of April 21st, 2016 have slowly come into focus. But we still know little about the eldest son of the Wagner clan, George Wagner. 
In this episode, we talk to the people who knew George the best and delve into why many are still trying to comprehend his potential involvement in the Pikedom Massacre. In May of 2017, 13 months after the murders, investigators sent a SWAT team to the Wagner's property to search for evidence. Around that time, George changed his social media profile picture and an online group picked it up immediately, screenshotted it, and posted it. Here's an anonymous Wagner and Roden family source. It's crazy. I don't know what all is out and what's not out, but when all this went down, he had posted, what is it called, your profile picture of a wolf that had a tar in one eye. And if you get on there and read that, Angela's on there and telling him he needs to delete it. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. And then everybody in this group that I'm in was like, oh, that's like pointing to him having shot Kenny. And Angela commented on it, really question mark. Everybody in this Facebook group was like, oh my gosh, he's the one who shot Kenny. Kenneth Roden, brother of patriarch Chris Roden Sr., was the eighth and final victim to be discovered. This was five hours after Bobby Joe Manley discovered the first bodies and called 911. I need a deputy to come out to close to 799. Okay. This is family member Donald Stone calling from Kenneth's home, seven miles away from the other crime scenes. It's all this stuff that's on the news. Um, I just found, just found my cousin with a gunshot wound. And I don't know what his address is. Are you out of the house? I'm out of the house right now. I just went in, uh, at Stone found Kenneth lying in his bed, face up, covered in blood. He had dollar bills strewn over the lower half of his body. He was the only victim killed with a single gunshot wound to the head, specifically through his right eye. This is like the picture of the wolf in Georgia's profile that piqued people's interest online. Here's Stephanie and Jeff. It came to our attention that in October of 2018, about a month before the Wagners were arrested, George Wagner changed his profile picture to a cartoon wolf that has a scar over its right eye. And on that picture, his mother, Angela Wagner, commented, really? We can only assume this picture represents Kenneth Roden, who was shot in the right eye and that George Wagner was somehow bragging or making a callback to the way Kenneth Roden was murdered. We do also know that Kenneth Roden was really the only victim who was shot just once in their right eye. And the significance of that might be tied to this photo. It feels like a stretch a little bit, to be honest. So he posted this on October 4th, 2018. And a few weeks prior to that, on September 19th, 2018, is when the autopsy notes were released and everyone found out that Kenneth was shot in the right eye. And so it seems like a bit of a coincidence that we as the public find out that Kenneth Roden is shot in the right eye and then George Wagner posts this photo of a wolf with a scar over its right eye. And that maybe wouldn't be connected, but then if it wasn't, why would Angela make that comment? Because if it's just a picture of a wolf, like what does his mom care what he posts on Facebook if it doesn't have this kind of deeper meaning? So much has been made about this online and in various different Facebook groups. 
It could really just be a complete coincidence. It could, but we can only assume what the Wagners did. I think it's fair to scrutinize all of their behavior prior to the arrests and following the murders. What would be the significance of that? Either he's bragging or is he giving a signal to someone else? Like, what is the connective tissue there? The way I read into it is that he's bragging about the murders. Why would he do that? We do know they get arrested one month later. Many people in the area were saying that the Wagners were expecting to be arrested at any moment. And it really does make you wonder why they were so busy on social media in the first place. If you feared that you were going to be arrested, why would you possibly go on social media, period? The way it was presented to me was that it was more of a matter of fact, that the police think we're tied up in this, we're going to get arrested, but we're going to get out because we're innocent. It's just a formality. And so the way I think at least they were portraying themselves to their friends and family was that they were very confident about their innocence in all of this and that they would not be roped into it too much. Jake was the one that literally said he shot five people or killed five people and shot six. And I don't know, I mean, who was the other person? Well, if anything, I think Billy, you know, would have been the crazy one to do something because Billy was always coming up with these crazy schemes. Billy, I would not put past to do anything. I feel like he would be at a gas station and shoot somebody. I felt like George would throw up if he shot somebody. <laughs> but I I don't know. I don't I don't know. Last season, it seems like the only thing we heard about George Wagner was that he was an abusive husband and all around a pretty bad guy. But as the court proceedings have kind of continued, we've talked to more and more people who were close with George Wagner and have kind of told us the opposite of what we've always heard. Everyone we've spoken to as of late has said nothing but nice things about him. Basically that he was this great guy and they are shocked that he was involved in this murder. No one seems to have a hard time imagining that Billy, Jake, or even Angela could have planned, murdered, and covered up this crime. But people have a really hard time wrapping their head around George Wagner being involved. Which is surprising to me because we did hear about how terribly he treated his wife when they all lived with his mother, Angela Wagner, and the whole accused family mistreated her. This season, yeah, we've heard quite the opposite. All we really have so far is Jake's plea deal, where he has testified that George was only there last minute and really was only there to protect Jake from their father, which, you know, we're still trying to unpack what that actually means. So let's play that out really quickly, just this scenario as we maybe know it right now. According to all of these plea agreements, Jake, who has admitted to five killings, and dad, Billy Wagner, they were the ones that were going to go out and do all of the killings. So that's five that Jake was going to do or has admitted to, leaving the remaining three maybe done by Billy. Yet at the very last minute, George, the oldest brother, to protect his younger brother, decides to go along with them, even though he's been a part of the planning, he wasn't intending on going. And now, according to Angela Wagner, she stayed behind to babysit. 
So now George tags along. What does that mean? Is he equally responsible? Is he not responsible at all? He was a part of all the planning, so maybe he wasn't one of the trigger pullers. But it also speaks to the larger question of why would George Wagner think their father was going to kill or harm Jake Wagner? It's certainly a good question, and I wonder if George's defense will bring that up. Because I think in the eyes of the law, if you plan a murder and you're at the murder, you're pretty culpable in the crime. And so whether you're there to protect someone else or not, we'll see if that matters and how much that will play out in his upcoming trial. If we're just going to play along with this version of a tale, if George Wagner was just tagging along to protect Jake Wagner from their father, Billy Wagner, go with me here for one quick second. That would imply that Billy Wagner, dad, was allegedly going to kill or harm Jake Wagner. Why would he do that? Like, why would George have to protect Jake from their dad? And I guess the only thing that would sort of make sense is because maybe Billy Wagner was going to kill Jake Wagner just so there was nobody left to turn him in. Yeah, there would have been one less witness. And as we know, the kind of how the dynamics of the family were, Jake and Angela Wagner were very close and Billy and George Wagner were very close. So perhaps George felt that if he went, he could maybe talk some sense, for lack of a better term, into his dad and protect Jake at the same time. It's certainly complicated. It's important to note that both George and Billy Wagner have pleaded not guilty on all counts and have not yet had their day in court. So everything we're talking about is just Jake and Angela Wagner's version of events. Otherwise, the prosecution would not allow their version of events to be, frankly, the foundation of their upcoming trials. Yeah, certainly the prosecution believes Jake and Angela's version of how things went down that night. But it's just important to note that Billy and George are disputing all this. And it's not just us, Steph, who are trying to unpack this. The people who were close with the Wagner family are still kind of wrapping their head around all of this particularly Chris Newcomb, who, as we know, is Angela Wagner's half-brother, was very close with George. And in talking to him numerous times, he's still really grappling with this whole situation and still trying to come to terms with George Wagner's possible involvement. And it's been six years since this whole thing happened. Chris was born when his older half-sister Angela was 20. The age gap kept the two from growing close, but Chris was drawn to her boys, specifically to George. I mean, hell, me and my nephews, we grew up more like brothers than we did uncle and nephews. I'm two and a half years older than Jake and a year and a half older than George. I was always closer to George than I was with Jake. Me and George, we'd always go hunting, fishing, camping. He always wanted to have his own hunting show. You know, he wanted to go on TV and hunt these monster deer and turkey and elk and stuff like that. I mean, he loved hunting that much. Sammy Joe spoke with us earlier in the season about both the Roden and Wagner families. She dated Frankie Roden from 7th to 9th grade and was involved with Jake Wagner at times. But she also had a crush on George. I probably shouldn't say this, but Jake, we pretty much stopped talking because I think Angela thought I was trying to get Jake to break up with Hannah. And that's not what it was because I didn't want Jake. I wanted George. What did you like about George? 
just his goofiness, honestly. George, he's a big teddy bear. Really? I remember a time I got a hold of George, and I told him, I was like, I can't afford Christmas. I don't know what to do. And he goes, meet me at the gas station. He gave me money to pay my electric bill and bought my daughter presents. Wow. So he was like your Santa Claus? Yeah. Like, it broke my heart when I found out he was married the first time. And did you ever confess to George that you kind of liked him? Nope. Now he'll never know. He was just a nice guy, good to be around, you know, didn't really talk too much, but he was definitely a nice person. Howard grew up with the Wagners and lived near them in both Ohio and Alaska. I just remember my sister, I'll, I'll keep her name out of it, but she kind of had a crush on, uh, on George, and she would always talk to him on Facebook and things like that. It's very funny because you're the second person today who has made mention of a family member, specifically a sister, who kind of loved George from a distance mm-hmm. and still have the nicest, kindest things to say of him. If I had a daughter and he were her age, that's who I would want my daughter dating. He was just a great guy. He was super nice, like very friendly. Jake, on the other hand, was kind of secluded, kind of recluse, but George was just nice, like all around a nice guy. We've been able to speak with a whole host of new family members and friends this season. Patricia, you may recall, is one of them. I think God every day that I was no longer with them. Patricia is the mother of George's ex-wife, Tabitha. Tabitha was bullied into relinquishing control of her child with George by Angela Wagner. The situation was eerily similar to the custody battle between Hannah Mae Roden and Jake Wagner that was happening before the massacre. I think the only reason that saved Tabitha from going through this same thing was the fact that she didn't fight for custody of Hunter. They had him already, so causing harm to Tabby wouldn't have done him any good. Patricia claims Angela pulled all the strings within the Wagner clan. I know the demeanor of Angela. She tries to be the loving, caring mother. But if you've seen the side of Angela that I've seen and the way she holds her demeanor around me... You could tell that she was all fake. Tabby wasn't afraid of George. Hannah wasn't afraid of Jake. They were only afraid of Angela. Sammy Jo saw firsthand how Angela exerted control over her sons. She was just really intimidating. Normally, growing up, I was always with Jake. And then as I got older, the contact changed from Jake to George. Because Jake became a stuck up, I'm trying to think of nice, not so hateful words, but he became, he became Angela. Angela took over Tabitha's life as well. For two years, she lived with them and was not allowed to have any contact with me whatsoever because Angela didn't want her to. They even went as far as taking Tabitha's cell phone from her because she was texting me. Angela knows that Tabitha has always been close to every one of her sisters, and every one of them could have talked her out of it. Every one of them could have talked Tabby out of there. And Angela knew that. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Six years after the murders, Chris Newcomb still finds Georgia's potential involvement in the Piketon Massacre very hard to grasp. I mean, I'd have trusted Georgia with my life, and that's the guy's honest truth on the matter. So how do you wrap your head around that? Feeling like someone who you trust your life with is allegedly being a part of something where eight people are dead. So you asking me how I deal with it? I guess, yeah. I get up, I do my chores, I do the work I gotta do. I spend time with my family and I go to bed. I get up the next day and do it again. I mean, I fought for him. I'd have never in a million years believed they'd ever done anything like this. And when it came out, I mean, I just, that made me look like the biggest damn fool ever walked the earth. I kid you not. I don't see him doing anything of the sort like this. But of course, I was not there. I don't know what happened. Sammy Joe spent time with George after the murders. I asked him, I was like, I can't believe this happened. But George, like, shut me out. Like, he goes, how could we do it? There's just something wrong. Like, he totally shut me out. Like, I knew something was wrong that day when we were talking about it. Like, our fishing trip was going good, and it got run real fast. We spoke to a close friend of George's, who, after the interview was done, decided it hit a little too close to home and requested their voice not be used at all. 
Hear Stephanie and Jeff recounting the conversation. This young woman who was very close with the Wagner family recounted to us that the morning of November 13th, 2018, the day all of the Wagners were arrested, she had actually been communicating with both George and Angela. And according to her, the conversations were rather mundane. They were talking about how their days were going, what kind of errands they were running. And we know that Jake and George were together at the time of their arrests and they were in their truck running errands and that Angela Wagner was dropping her grandkids off at school. They also talked about things like Thanksgiving, which was coming up in a couple of weeks. And within minutes of ending the conversations, this young woman saw the news of the arrest. And after the shock of the news, her first thoughts were, it had to have been Billy and Jake. Angela and George must have been covering for them. And again, that doesn't make it a matter of fact, but she was incredibly surprised and steadfast that George and Angela must have been covering for Billy and Jake. Yeah, it paints a picture of what that day was like, which is very bizarre because you see the news footage of Billy getting cuffed and the body cam footage. Minutes before that, they were just living their lives, hoping to get away with murder. Or they were just expecting to go through the formality of being arrested, being booked, being released on bail, and that this would all go away. I think that's what they really believed at this point. It doesn't explain why they came back, though. So they came back to care for Billy Wagner's ailing father. But they didn't really move back. They just came back and were staying in that small house that we ultimately saw recently. But they weren't settled in. Were they just coming back with the understanding that they were going to get arrested and that would blow over really quickly and then they could pick up life and go back to normal? According to everyone who knew them, that seemed to be their frame of mind. Court just wrapped up in Pike County. Mike Schell was there as George Wagner IV made an appearance. He's been covering the Pike County massacres since it happened in 2016. This spring, George Wagner appeared in court as part of his pretrial hearings. He walked into the courtroom unrestrained and dressed in civilian clothes. He's tall, so he had to bow his head to hear the hushed direction of his lawyers before he sat for the hearing. So, Mike, what happened in court today? Chris, this was a revealing day here in the Pike County Courthouse. Captain Seth Hageman, now with the Westchester Police Department, was a special agent with the Bureau of Criminal Investigations back in 2016, and he was one of the lead investigators on the Pike County murders. Now, Hageman spent about two and a half hours on the stand testifying. Here's the police captain's interpretation of a tattoo that George Wagner got just a few months after the murders. Uh, obviously, a skull is often used to be associated with death and mortality. Um, and then eight balls is sometimes thought of as a symbol of chance, but there also should be noted there were eight victims in the rodent homicides. And then he had tattoos of aces and eights that are commonly considered the dead man's hand and represent death and murder. Here again is Stephanie and Jeff. So let's break this down a bit. And it's a bit confusing because we were not able to obtain the entire hearing courtroom footage and instead have to fall back on reporting. And different sources have said different things about when George Wagner got this tattoo. Some news sources have said it was before the murders and some have said after. So it's not totally clear to us which is true. 
What we do know is that at some point, George Wagner got a tattoo of a dead man's hand. And for those of you who are not familiar with poker, a dead man's hand is composed of eights and aces. It's called the dead man's hand because it's rumored to be the hand of a man named Wild Bill Hickok, who was holding it when he was shot in the back by a rival. And because of that, the hand is now cursed forever. Which, again, we don't know the link, but if we're going to analyze all of the behavior of the Wagners pre- and post-murder, it certainly seems like it's possible that George Wagner knows this folklore story and decided to get a tattoo because he himself shot the rodents. Much has been made online about their various tattoos and Facebook postings and Yes, you can read into them for sure. For example, it's speculated that the eight ball connects the eight members of the Rodin family. That's possible. It also could be a big stretch. George Wagner's trial is tentatively set to begin two months from now. Based on a recent hearing, the prosecution's case is pushing forward with the fundamental argument that the murders were a family affair with George being complicit in the crimes. They functioned as one unit at all times. Like I said, they worked together. They homeschooled together. This is demonstrated by factors including but not limited to them residing together in a very insular manner their entire lives, even while married as adults. It establishes this conspiracy. It establishes the enterprise. All of this information goes together to show that they were, again, that group think, the group action, Not one of them turned back from these crimes. They all knew what was going to happen that night. They all had their own roles. The possible depths of George's allegiance to his family was on full display on April 28, 2016, on a warm day in South Shore, Kentucky. We received a picture from a listener that was used in the Cincinnati Inquirer. And while we can't be 100% certain, it appears to have Billy, George, and Jake Wagner in it. It was taken at the funeral of Gary Roden. Also, I think it's worth noting, Jeff, that we actually were tipped off to this photograph by a listener. We hadn't seen it before. And when you look at it, it's pretty staggering because it's all three Wagner-accused men. And you can't really see their expressions too, too closely, but you can just see they're clearly speaking to somebody. And it just makes you wonder, what could they possibly be talking about? What could possibly be going on in their heads collectively? They also have to look the people in the eye and the family members in the eye of the people that they allegedly murdered. You know, everyone is there grieving. The whole town is there grieving. And you know full well that you're at the exact same place that you caused all of that pain for everyone. Yeah, what's so striking to me that is if indeed these are the Wagner men attending Gary Roden's funeral, just how performative the whole thing must have been. They went there as this grieving family, supporting their friends and sort of in-laws. I mean, the Wagners and the Rodens were sort of in-laws to one another. And so to have to go there and put on this show of a grieving family is pretty hard to wrap your head around. Kind of relevant here, too. George Wagner's whole defense is that he had nothing to do with this. Yet here we see the family as they stand together at the funeral of a man that was allegedly murdered 
by at least some of them. So George was in the mix and we've heard some very checkered things about him, certainly how he handled his own ex-wife in the custody of their child. But this season, we also started to hear things that are also quite different, that he was really loving and kind and that he could never pull this off. And then you look at a picture like this and it does make you wonder. My sister always kept him on a short leash. I mean, she wouldn't let him do anything, wouldn't let him get away from anybody. You know, I mean, they, she just kept him on a short leash. They had to stay there, had to take care of the family. George wanted to leave. He wanted his own place, but never got it. If you're raised your entire life a certain way, it's hard to change. If you've had something pounded, like they was homeschooled all their life. I think it was just the fact that he was like I said, had a pounding in his head that you always have to take care of the family, always help the family, whatever they do, you got to be a part of to help or whatever. And I think it just pounded in his head so much that he started believing it. Because I know that he was raised up to always take care of Jake. Always, no matter what, he has to protect Jake. It don't matter if Jake does wrong to somebody else and they won't pay back on it, don't matter. You got to take care of your brother. And so when Angela is like, this Hannah girl is trouble, she's trying to take away Jake's daughter. What's he going to do? Protect his brother? Yeah, that's the way he was raised up. After Jake confessed to it or whatever he did, hell, I just said, hell, I ain't got nothing for him anymore. I defended him tooth and nail to everybody that had anything bad to say about him. I defended it because I had thought to myself there, said, there's no way my family could have had anything to do with this. I said, I've known George and Jake, you know, all their life. I said, there's no way possible that they could have done this. I've always been so curious to know more about life behind bars for the individual Wagner family members. We know that they've been separated and haven't seen each other since their arrests. We've been in contact with one of Angela Wagner's cellmates. We know that George Wagner requested solitary confinement in a Bible and that he was originally in Ross County Jail, but is currently in the Montgomery County Jail in Ohio. And as for Angela and Billy Wagner, they have both been in the same jails since they were arrested. Billy is in Hamilton, Ohio, and Angela Wagner is in Delaware County. The youngest Wagner son, Jake, is currently being held in the Franklin County Jail in Columbus, Ohio. And all of these jails are in about 175 mile radius of each other in a little under three hours. But for a family who will probably never see each other again, except for when they are testifying against each other in court, those three hours probably feel like a lifetime. And Steph, you know a little bit more about Jake's time in jail, right? Somebody who has access to Jake Wagner on a daily basis came and saw us at a work event and said that Jake is very busy working on a manifesto. So whether that's something he's putting together as a book or as a final statement, we don't know. You hear the term manifesto a lot when it comes to shooters. Often people who go and shoot up public places write these manifestos prior to their murders. I hate to say this out loud, but what a shakeup that would be to the remaining trials. Let's stop here for another break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. George's ties to his family will be put to the test at this trial. In light of Jake's admission of guilt and Angela's plea, the eldest son of the Wagner clan is in a tight spot. Was George's alleged involvement in the murders as a passive participant? Or could he be a cold-blooded killer? Here again, Sammy Joe. The family for the Rogans cannot have closure until they know the truth. They'll never know the truth if we keep doing a pre-trial trial, we're going to move it, so on and so forth. The way I feel, if you have all the evidence you say you have, move on with it, move on. So people can have closure and move on with their life. But again, they're just going to drag their feet and eventually the truth will come out and then the people that's waited so long to find the truth is no longer going to be here. And they never had closure in their life. More on that next time. If you're enjoying the Piketon Massacre, listen to our other hit series, Crazy in Love. New episodes air every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. For more information and case photos, follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. The Piketon Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Aston. 
The Piketon Massacre is a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.